Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're going to be talking with Pastor Jemima Veragis, co-pastor of Kingdom City Church, creator of the Beautiful Journal, and a strong influence to female leaders across the globe. This is an episode you absolutely won't want to miss, so let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to our Avail Leadership Podcast. Uh, We have a great, great uh, podcast conversation today. I know that every leader is going to be blessed, is going to be encouraged, probably going to be challenged as well. Uh, My name is Virgil Sierra. I'm the Avail Leadership Media Host. Uh, I'm also the lead pastor of Vertical Church, Iglesia Vertical in South Florida, where we are one church, two languages. I'm pumped and I'm excited because everything that is happening right now with Avail Leadership is, is so exciting. We are expectant for all the great things that God is doing. Avail Leadership is a brand for the Christian leader. And we develop resources that are practical, that are relevant, that are applicable to everybody who's uh, who, who's out in the trenches, doing ministry, leading. Uh, This content is valuable to every leader in every area of life. And you got to keep an eye out because at Avail Leadership, we are developing resources every month, books, studies, courses, video teachings, articles. We have the Avail Journal. Uh, Our aim is to produce the best content, the best quality leadership content for all of the men and women and young people who are called to lead. And today, I have the honor of connecting with Pastor Jemima Verugis. She's the co-pastor of Kingdom City Church, a growing, vibrant church in multiple locations around the world. She's an ardent communicator. Uh, she's an amazing leader, and she shares her messages creatively. Uh, there's, there's beautiful resources, including the beautiful journal, uh, which is designed to empower women from all walks of life. She is married to her husband, Mark. They have two sons, Zeke and Caleb. We are so honored today to be able to connect with as she goes, Pastor Jem, uh, and I'm excited to this conversation because we had a great time connecting uh, last week, getting prepared for this podcast. So Pastor Jem, we are so pumped. I'm excited about this conversation. I think all the people connected, all the leaders are going to enjoy this. Uh, Pastor Jem, it's so good to connect with you. Thank you so much for being with, you, with us here. Are you excited about this? I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Virgil, for having me on and the whole team at Avail. Um, it's just been, yeah, it's an honor to be here and just have a chat and a conversation. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, uh, one of the things we like here at the Avail Leadership, uh, team and, and our, and our, our podcast is we want to bring some quality content. We want to bring some, you know, life experiences, some examples, and, uh, from speaking to you and from reading a little bit about what God has done through you and your husband and your church, uh, kingdom city, man, it's, it's, it seems like God is, is doing something literally worldwide through, through all of you. And, and I would like for all of our, our listeners, everybody who's connected right now to this podcast to, to get to know you a little bit. So, so pastor Jem, why don't you share with us a little bit about your story, a little bit about what God is, has done and what he's doing now. Sure. Well, I actually uh, was born in New Zealand, um, but my father's Australian. So two weeks after I was born, he took me out of the country and I actually grew up in the Philippines as a missionary kid. So I lived in Asia uh, for most of my life till I was 18 years old, but I went to an American missionary school. So I have a little bit of American twang. So I, uh, when Americans meet me, they wonder, you know, where I'm from. Cause I don't sound a bit, I don't sound Aussie. I don't sound anything really. It's just all mixed up. So I then lived in Australia for a while and I lived in America for a while. I did live in Kansas City in Missouri uh, after I finished college uh, for a few months. And then I um, got a job in a university in Melbourne where I was in a campus and there were multiple campuses everywhere. And this was in the 90s, way before um, churches, at least in Australia, were doing campuses. So I mm-hmm. learned back then how to have my Boston One campus teams in other campuses. Wow. And uh, God was even preparing me back then. I, I started in the marketing department. I learned how to market 
a brand. And then I got moved to the IT department where I learned how to, uh, they used to make me pull apart a computer, put it back together. <laughs> and it was just crazy. And in that season, unfortunately, I walked away from the Lord. I, um, I had a hard time adjusting to Australia, being a missionary kid, couldn't find a church that I really fitted into. So mm. I, um, you know, and of course the non-Christians were really friendly. As always, the enemy had a plan. And so I just went along that um, road of, yeah, just doing my own thing. And it was about six years I was away from the Lord. And then I just came to the end of myself one day, you know, it was literally like the prodigal story of no money, um, wrong friends, wrong relationships, majorly depressed, um, physically getting really sick. And so I knew that if I didn't get right with God, that was it. It was like death or get right with God. And so I had this incredible encounter with God in my in my room. In my bedroom, there was no, it wasn't in a church service or anything. The Lord just came in and I had an encounter with him and I decided to give the keys of my life back to the Lord. And then from that moment, it was a journey of going back to God. I didn't wake up and go, okay, I'm going to be a pastor. That was the last thing on my mind. But just, you know, baby steps of walking back towards God, getting people cut out of my life, moving back to my parents' home and things like that. And then uh, my father, who we were living in a city in Australia, he was moving to another city to take on a church. And he said, would you do you want to come with me? And I said, sure, I'll come. I'll do anything. So I moved, gave up my job at the university and moved with my parents and became the anything girl. So I learned how to make, you know, I did the coffee. I cleaned the toilets. I ran kids church. It was a small church. I did account. And it was like, God was just teaching me how all the aspects of a church in a little micro form, you know, um, it was just a tiny church, but God was so kind. I learned how to preach in that church and, and fall more and more in love with Jesus. And then one day, um, one of the pastors in the city asked me to go with him on a missions trip, uh, to Malaysia. And it was funny because I'd been to Malaysia 10 months earlier because my friend, uh, worked there. And when I was there, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, you're going to live here one day. And I, I came back and I said to my dad, I think I'm moving to Malaysia. And he goes, no, that's, that's tourist talk. It's not like that when you live there. And I cried for two weeks for Malaysia. Every day I would cry and I was like, what is going on? So eight months later, this guy says, would you like to come back to Malaysia on a missions trip? I was a youth pastor at the time. Um, bring a bunch of seniors um, with us to help with this conference. And there's this church there um, and a guy named Mark Varagis, and he started this church. And uh, would you like to come along and, and help? And I'm like, Mark Varagis, never heard of him before. Yeah, sure. Sounds fun. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I know God's calling me to Malaysia. Maybe this is part of something, but I wasn't quite sure. Got to Malaysia. And I uh, was there for a week before I met Mark and I was working in a local Chinese church and the Chinese guy was like, you have got to move here. And I'm like, I know I've got to move here. Like I, I just felt so at home in Malaysia. I understood why I was frustrated in Australia because Malaysia is very much like the Philippines. And so um, after a week of being there, I went to Mark's church and I, I met him actually on stage because he said, get all the youth pastors up on stage. Let's hear what they've been talking about. So first time I ever laid eyes on him and he looked at me, I looked at him and he pulled the mic away and all the church people were watching. He goes, have I met you before? And uh, Mark has these big brown eyes and he kind of like, oh my gosh, and kind of got drawn into these eyes. And it was so <laughs> weird because it was like my spirit knew him, but my soul didn't. And I'm like, I know this guy. No, I don't. I know this guy. Wait, no, I don't. And so I'm having this chaotic experience in my head on stage and uh, get off the stage. I'm like, God, what is that all about? And then the preacher gets up and he begins to prophesy over Mark. And uh, as he's prophesying this uh, acceleration and all this stuff that we're actually doing now, I start to sweat. My heart starts to beat. 
my cheeks burn and I go, oh my gosh, that word is for me. Wait, what? No, huh? Hang on. I don't know this guy. Where's his wife? Is she in kids church? Like what is going on? Like I'm going crazy knowing that word is for me. And then after I asked one of the guys, where's your pastor? Uh, pastor's wife. They go, oh, pastor has no wife. And I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> and so then God led me on this journey of just absolutely shouting from heaven. This is your husband. Um, I've called you to him, but it actually didn't work out in that week. I didn't go up to him and go, Hey, Mark, God's called me to be your wife. Um, so, you know, I, I'm so glad I didn't do that. He'd had other women do something like that and he put them in the crazy box. So, um, I went, oh, I want to go in the crazy to, box. <laughs> no, that's right. Went back to Australia and over a period of six months, God got my family ready, spoke to my dad, spoke to me. Uh, just just got things in order. And then I was able to go back to Malaysia on another mission trip with the same pastor that invited me. And he found out uh, through my brother what was uh, going on in my head. And he said to me, you know what? Just have one coffee with the guy and you'll know if he's the one. And boy, was he right because we had one coffee. And in that coffee, God speaks to Mark and says, this is your wife. And wow. if you know Mark, as soon as God speaks, he's he's there. He, he you know, so he's like literally like, you know, he says this thing to me at, at after three hours in the coffee. How do you feel? Like we weren't even talking about love. We were just having a coffee. How do you feel? We were just we were just talking about our life and what we do. And I said, I don't know. How do you feel? And he goes, well, I feel like I'm having coffee with my wife. And as soon as he said that, he wow. was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I said that. And because I'd had a journey with God. I knew that was right. And so I'm like, you know, this, you know, this is going to happen. He pulls out his Blackberry that he had at the time, sets the wedding date. This is Mark before we said, I love you before anything was setting our wedding date. Five months later, I'm walking down an aisle to a guy that I'd only seen four times in my life. And the next day packed up my stuff and moved to Malaysia. And we, we were at Kingdom City in Malaysia uh, for about 18 months until we got the call. Uh, would we be interested in taking on Perth, which was a church that he had come from. I'd never even been to Perth. And uh, that began the journey. We we initially said no, but then um, the pastors that called us, they were so like, no, you can do this because we were so called to Asia. You know, we, we used to joke, we'll never move to Australia. But um, through a, journey, a whole God journey, we ended up saying yes. And we began the journey of living between the two countries. And it's funny because Everything in our life that we thought was a curse ended up being a blessing. See, neither of us fitted into um, Australian or an Asian context because, you know, I grew up in Asia, but I look Western. He grew up in Australia, but he is Asian. And so we were always in this constant struggle. Where do we fit? And God had just made it like that so that we could fit in these two countries and we could feel absolutely at home at both. You know, both of us just fitted in well. So that's the journey, a little bit of a journey of Kingdom City, and that's how it started. And yeah, it sounds it sounds to me like there must be a movie in the making for the future for this story. Um, if you I'd like to be in the movie, I'll, I'll play a role of some somebody, maybe the guy who does your interview. Um, yeah. Wow, what a story! And and so that leads you to where where you guys are currently pastoring uh, yeah. in Perth, right in Australia, and. And, and, and tell us a little bit about, because I know it's not just one church there yeah. in Australia. Yeah. So we actually, so the whole King of Sea started in Malaysia. We actually live in Malaysia and we live in Australia. So we live in two cities. We have two houses, uh, leave home to go home. And uh, um, those are really, uh, because Malaysia was the birthplace. And Australia is a different kind of journey. Uh, most of the campuses we've had here, we've adopted and we birthed in Malaysia. So it's been two different types of leadership wow. We have a son that we birthed and a son that we adopted. Uh, so that's been an interesting journey. And then from there, we expanded to Cambodia and then uh, Singapore, Botswana. And every city has a story because it wasn't like we're like, we're going to take over the world. It was nothing like that. It was like people coming to us going, please, can we start? Yeah. Or, you know, please, we've got a burden uh, to be in this wow. city. And so um, that's kind of the scene. So now I think we're in 10 uh, cities at the moment. And uh I think it's 22 locations, I think. And it just changes all the time. I can't even keep up. So, so wow. yeah, so that's just uh, what we're doing at the moment. It's amazing. So, so um, 
again, for people who are connected here on this podcast, Pastor Jem Verghese, her husband, Mark, they, they're pastoring Kingdom City Church. Uh, um, it's it's t- 10 countries, right? All these locations. Uh, just the thought of that, for, for, you know, I'm a pastor. And by the way, I'm also a pastor's kid like you and, 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 and having understanding the calling on your life, understanding that now, you know, you're leading these churches in different countries. Um, we, I can understand. And I imagine that the, the pressure, the stress, the responsibility grows as those campuses grow, right. As those cities and those churches grow. And so I think there's going to be great, some great insight that we can all glean from you uh, mm-hmm. on this podcast. And we're going to get into a little bit of Q&A. Uh, right. And a and because I know that, that what the Lord's, what he's done in you and what he's currently doing in you is going to be of, of great, great value to so many leaders, you know, men and women, younger and older, um, because that's the way God works. He uses us and he speaks yeah. to us and then he speaks through us. And so the first thing, cause I know a lot of people, pastor Jam, are going to be interested. How can people connect with you? Cause I know that some people mm-hmm. are, are already on their social media looking, trying to find you, right? Uh, yeah. so what's the best way for people to connect with you. Uh, Instagram. I'm, I'm on Instagram a lot. So Jemima V. Uh, at Instagram. Um, I put a lot of pictures of my kids up there, but also uh, the journey of the church too. And we do behind scenes and things like that. So yeah, you can connect with me there. And also on Facebook, I think I'm Jemima V on Facebook as well. So right. Jemima yeah. V, Jemima V, very good. Um, so here's, here's the first question I want to delve into. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you faced during the kingdom cities growth phases? Obviously the church didn't start in 10 countries and all that, you know, it's been a process. How did this uh, process stretch you, strengthen you, uh, especially when you went international? Talk to us a little bit about that. I think uh, some of the lessons I had to learn was how to personally keep up with the growth because uh, when the congregation grows, you have to grow too. Your mindset has to grow. Your authority in God has to grow. The way you speak to someone of uh, of a hundred people in an auditorium is different to a thousand and ten thousand and twenty thousand. So, uh, my authority had to grow, and my revelation I had to go deeper uh, in God. I couldn't just cruise on what always worked. And I noticed that when we hit numbers with congregations, I don't understand why, but there would be a struggle from. 950 to 1,000, there was a real struggle to hit that 1,000 yeah. mark. Then from four five to 5,000, and then I think it was 19,000 to 20. There was like a, we had to push through. We had to stretch. We had to pray. Yeah. We had to dig in just to hit that. And then to 25K, and then I think we're up to 30 now. But there's just been wow. some milestones where I'm like, man, I had to push through um, to get us over the line. And I think also motivating our team constantly. You got to get deeper. You got to get stronger. You've got to get more authority. You can't just ride off last year's authority, last year's revelation. You've got to constantly get uh, into God. So I think, because you don't want to be the person to hinder the growth. You don't want to be the one to, to stop it. So you have to grow, you know, God faithful with a little, faithful with much. You're going to be faithful with everything. I think another thing was learning the art of leading abroad. You know, when you're absent, um, do the team feel that you're absent? How can you let the team know that you're still with them? You're still praying for them. You're there in heart with them. You don't just disappear, you know, like, hey, all right, see you later, have fun, you know, but (laughs) you're with them and they feel that that you are with them and behind them and uh, keeping up the communication, forcing. I had to learn to be able to be in one place, but love the other place at the same time, you know, and, and multitask in that. And even just deciding what was preference versus principle. And this is my husband's thing, preference versus principle. If it's a principle, it's a non-negotiable, you know, in our different cities. But if it's a preference, then, you know, um, let it be. And so some non-negotiables was, no, you can't change our logo to purple or, you know, you can't stretch it. Or <laughs> Our atmospheres, we're very strong in our atmospheres, faith filled for the miracle presence of God. You've got to have that. You know, we want people to turn up to kingdoms 
City and let it feel like King of City because people are coming there because their friend told them they go to another city or online or it's got to, it can't feel like a foreign church. And so there were yeah. some things, but then what they serve at hospitality or the times the services are, it has to work according to the city. And I think managing resources effectively, um, not wasting money or IP. And what I mean by that is I always say to the team, don't reinvent the wheel. If we, if one city has put together great kids curriculum, we're going to use that everywhere. Um, you know, instead of hiring designers in every city, let's just have three great designers who globally can do the design, you know, and, or our media, uh, we have a global media team that, that ensure that all the cities are looked after, uh, software resources, app, um, um, applications, all that we do globally because it's cheaper and, and even like cosmetics, you know, like pens and, and t-shirts, we all get that at the cheapest city and we get that everywhere so that everyone benefits from that. But not only that IP, like if one of our team or one of our uh, cities have like a training night with our worship, our best worship pastor, we're getting that videoed and we're making sure every city is included in that. So those are just some of the challenges that we had to change our mindset from just one location to multiple locations and um, to make sure that everybody, you know, is uh, heading in the right direction, but is flexible at the same time. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the challenges when you're, you know, you just said it when, when you're leading the same organization, but in different, not only just different cities, different countries, different languages, yeah. Yeah. Um, man, that is, that is amazing. And, and you're, you know, you're talking about all the issues that have to do with being sustainable, being scalable, yeah. being reproducible, you know, yeah. um, that, that is, you know, I am so impressed by that because uh, the Lord knows how many, how many leaders are having trouble with their one organization. Right. Yeah. And, and, you yeah. know, you, you said it as well. It's, it's different leading, you know, or pastoring uh, an organization, a church of, you know, a couple hundred members yeah. as compared to a couple thousand, you know, all those yeah. variables, you know, okay, here's my next question. Kind of keeping okay. this conversation going here. Yeah. Do you have any advice because you talked about atmospheres, right? And one of the yeah. atmospheres that I think is strong in, in your culture in Kingdom City yeah. is family, family atmosphere. Do you have any advice yeah. for leaders who are looking to create that family atmosphere that you guys really you know, carry and, and, yeah. and promote in Kingdom City, uh, especially on teams that are remote or spread out globally? How do you keep that family atmosphere? Yeah. I think uh, one thing we're really strong on is fighting to keep people in the room. If you know what I mean, we, we don't want any of our cities to feel like they're in the outer and there's this main big hub and all the stuff comes from this hub and they're all the, they get the leftovers. We fight for people to be in the room. So even the way we do live stream, we changed the whole concept of live stream because I was sitting in a campus once receiving the live stream. And I thought, I don't feel part of this. I feel like I'm watching a show They're They're showing me angles of the keyboard players. I don't want to see the keys of the keyboard player. I want to see the preacher. And they, they were trying to make it look like TV. And so we changed it so that it looks like the preacher's in the room. We do full body. We make the stage look like he's on the stage of the location. He turns to the mm -hmm. left. His sermon notes are exactly the same. We do the same worship song coming out so that everyone feels part of it. And we've had some funny stories of people wanting to talk to Mark after service, thinking he was in the room and he was on screen. So we're making everybody feel like they're in the room, that they're getting um, the best. We also, another thing is to keep family feel is to keep communication high. You gotta keep communication high and technology is amazing. We have chat groups for everything in WhatsApp. You know, we've got global kids pastors chat, global youth pastors chat, wives chat. We got all these chats and we're constantly communing. I'm constantly on WhatsApp chatting with everybody to keep communication yeah. high. And it's not just work, but we joke and we have funny things. And, you know, when something funny happens in a service, we'll put it on the chat and globally we laugh about it. You know, we have a big staff global chat as well. And in everyone cheers everybody on, or it's, there's a testimony, we put testimonies on it so that it just creates that, that family feel. And another thing that I think is important is it's important to love your team's family. What I mean by that is Mark and I are very intent on loving the children of our staff so that they feel connected and, and they pay a price so for good. their 
there, yeah, so every year, either we give them birthday presents or, I mean, sometimes I give them conference merch packs. They all get one before all the other kids or, you know, they're, they're always on our heart and we always make sure that the kids, I mean, we know they're going to be our future staff members anyway, so we're not silly, but, <laughs> you know, we just want to love on. And when you love on your staff's kids or spouses, um, you have, you have, you have your team for life. And that also creates, family feel and we even have a global kids you know my boys get on the uh, zoom with all the pastors kids once a month and they all have a chat now sometimes they complain about kids church wasn't very good but you know they all get on the zoom from the youngest to the oldest and they have a chat where we're teaching them at this age how to connect with people um, internationally and so I think that's important and another one is we pay the price to get everybody physically in the room once a year we have a thing called staff camp so we give up other things um, that maybe other churches would do locally, like um, we give up doing um, big getaways in our local cities and we use that budget instead to get everybody in the room um, at, in Malaysia. It's been in Malaysia the last few years where all the staff come and the staff, they actually also contribute personally as well. Some of them will put in money because they love it. We stay in a hotel and we get someone to minister to us, but we play games as well. And we do, yeah. we, we, we review the year and laugh. And so we're a bit sad this year because, um, because of coronavirus, the, <laughs> we missed out, but we're hoping next year to get into doing that pretty soon. It sounds like you guys have been very intentional with the culture because this isn't something that, ha- you know, that family atmosphere mm-hmm. is not something that happens automatically. It's not something no. that happens by default. Yeah. You have to be very intentional. And I love Everything you said, it being in the room, communication high because communication is king, especially when you're spread out, you know, in different countries. But I really love, I really, and I think some people need to hear this. I really love, love your team's family. Um, Again, these are things that I'm learning, you know, being a pastor's kid, by the grace of God. I, I, I never had, you know, that moment you expressed your moment where you kind of disconnected from the Lord. And I think, and I think your story is actually uh, a common one, you know, whether it's pastors, kids, or, you know, church leaders, families that you would assume, Hey, they're going to love church, but there comes this point where, where, um, combination of, you know, attack of the enemy, uh, the the lure of the world and, and what, you know, what it has to offer. Uh, but, Mm -hmm. but I think, when you, we love our staff and our and our team's family, yeah. kids, yeah. man, that that just opens up a new door yeah. that that will that will give so much fruit in the future. So yeah. I, I love that. I love. You know, that. we we had Mike Maiden. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's an amazing prophetic man that does these incredible prophecies. I got him to come into our kid, our pastors' kids, all the pastors' kids, and give um, actually all our staff. Not they weren't just pastors' kids. A pro- a prophecy, and then we designed them and printed them all out and put them on frames and all the gave them to all the kids and they all put them on their bedrooms and they see the prophetic word that God is going to use through them. I I love stuff like that. Yeah. It's important to have a family feel. Couldn't do it without them. Taking notes. I'm taking notes. I hope everybody listening and watching is taking notes as well. All right. So here's, here's the question that I've been waiting to get to. Okay. Uh, Because, you know, I, I also pastor along with my wife, my wife um, uh, has a calling and she's a pastor here at our church as well. We're the lead pastors together. And, um, for female leaders that are listening to this podcast or watching, um, maybe just getting their start, Pastor Jem, what advice or encouragement do you have for, for young women or young leaders, uh, who are beginning in their first steps in ministry, maybe feeling the weight of, of this leadership calling, maybe growing up in cultures and environments where women aren't maybe as encouraged to be in a leadership position. What, what are, what's some advice you'd give them? Yeah, I think, um, I would say, first off, don't try and be a man. You know, um, sometimes women, uh, when they get into leadership, they, tr- we, they compete with the men. They'll change the way they dress. They'll be powerhouse dress and, and, uh, try and talk like a man and talk to the men like men. And t- you're a woman. Be comfortable being a woman. Be comfortable being a nurturer. If you are a nurturer, you be comfortable leading in that way. God made you that way. He created you that way. And so I think, uh, when I stopped, trying to compete with Mark and like, I would see the way Mark would talk to people. But if I talk to them that way, I get a different reaction. I realized, (laughs) hang on, 
I'm not meant to talk that way. I'm not meant to to lead that way. I got to lead the way that is comfortable for me. And I think another thing is lead according to where they're at. You've, you've got to win them over, um, not where you think you're at. Sometimes we can come in and we can be like, well, this is my role. So you better do what I want. Um, they may do what you want, but they don't have your heart or your, your, your spirit and they won't carry that. So you got to win them over. So you got to look at where they're at. So like the way I lead the under thirties is very different, uh, to the way I lead 30 plus or 50 plus, you know, the under thirties, I'm like, mama, you know, like I'll hit them on the head. I'll, you know, put up my arm around them, kiss them on the forehead. You know, there's like a no do this kind of thing. But the 30 plus, if I did that, that they get really annoyed and weird. So then with those guys, I'm more like a coach to them. Like they're kind of like my teenage kids, you know, I, I coach them. And then the 50 plus are like my dad's age. So I honor up. I, I, I lead up, you know, when I talk to them. So you got to work out what season the team are that you're leading yeah. in and, and lead according to what they are. And I think, um, just also a lot of people have issues with women because they had dysfunctional moms and you can tell yeah. who has a dysfunctional mother by the way they relate to you. So be a functional mother back to them, you know, be a, cause a mother is their first, uh, a mother is their first experience of a woman leader in them. That's yeah. so they form their whole idea of what women leaders are based on their mother or a crazy pastor's wife, you know, I've had both. So, you know, you've got to be functional um, back to them. And to be a bigger leader, we got to change. The bigger the leader you want to be, the bigger you, we got to change. There's preferences I had to change. There's things I didn't want to do. I had to open up my home. I had to do things I didn't want to do, but I had to do it to, you know, because it, the team required it. It was required at that time. So I think those... Um, yeah, it is tricky, but I would say always be comfortable being a And the other thing I would say is don't ever shame a man publicly. Um, when you shame a man, sometimes women think I've got to be strong with the man in, in a room. So I will take him on. But every other man in the room sees that and they withdraw. And they're like, she does that to him. She didn't do that to me. I'm going to hold my heart back. And I actually had a wise pastor talk to me about it from another church. And he said to me, can't do that with men because there's something that happens when you shame a man with their, their, um, it, it's something that affects them. You've got to take them aside. You've got to talk to them in a different way. And so I started doing that with our, um, campus pastors and I saw, conflict decreased massively between yeah. me and the campus pastors. I started winning them over and talking to them a different way. We were able to agree on things as opposed to this intense, you know, do what I say. Cause Mark can talk like that and it's okay, but it's not okay for me to do that. And I'm a woman and I've just got to be comfortable in that. Yeah. I think that's great. And, and you know, from the experience I've had with my wife as well, having conversations yeah. with her in the process, cause it's not always, it's hard when you're trying to discover yeah. who we are as a church, who we are as a, uh, a couple, a, a marriage that pastors together. Who, yeah. who, who I am as a as a as a yeah. as a pastor. Who she is. Like it's it's a it really is a journey. And I and I'm and I thank you so much for kind of opening up and sharing that because I think there's a lot of women who really need to hear that. They really need to know. A, God has gifted all of us in different ways, and and He doesn't limit giftings to gender. You know, and what, yeah. and then on the other side, you know, being able to to feel empowered to live out that calling, but to understand that it's, yeah. I'm not going to look the same as somebody yeah. else, you know, and, and even, yeah. even as a, as a, uh, uh, as a, as a woman pastor, even as a, as a female leader, you're not going to look like another female leader. You know, That's you are right. your, your own person. That's right. So, so, so I, I want to tie in here a little bit, you know, marriage now, because obviously you, as a, as an individual, we have to grow and yeah. learn and God's working in us. Yeah. Now, how has marriage impacted your personal leadership journey? And mm -hmm. are there any challenges that it brings in terms of discovering your own leadership potential? Cause I know this is a challenge, you know, <laughs> we deal with it every day, right? Yeah. You know, what's church, what's home, you know? So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about that. Well, we have an interesting marriage because Mark was a lawyer uh, before he was a pastor and I have Middle Eastern blood in me. So as you can imagine, our fights or discussions that we like to call them can be very strong. But I would say that marriage has been the best thing for me because it's taught me so much about trusting God. God had to speak to me one day and say, you need to trust me to trust him. And uh, learning a lot about submission, authority and yielding. 
Uh, I had a pastor who said to me in my first month of marriage, um, I did the offering talk and I got off the stage and he said to me, do you want uh, more authority? And I went, yeah, yeah, I want more authority. He said, the more you put yourself under the authority, the more authority God will give you. And I thought, wow, that's so true. God's not going to give me a big sword of this spirit if I won't be under authority. And so I have had to go on a journey because I am a strong woman. But Mark says, you know, it takes a strong woman to submit. And I think the more I yield, the more um, I give over to God, um, the more I get. And that's so anti-culture because it's like, no, yeah. no, no, I, I have to hold in. One time Mark and I having a big discussion and he's like, you've got to let this go. And I'm like, I'm not letting this go. And then the Lord showed me this picture in the middle of our conversation of me holding a lollipop and I'm fighting with God over this lollipop. And he's like, give it to me. I'm like, no, give it to me, no. And then he's like, if you could only see around the corner, there's a candy store. I have this huge candy store for you and just need to let go. And I think uh, in yielding and going, okay, God, I trust you. Uh, I trust you to trust this man. You obviously think this man was the right man for me. Uh, you put me with him and it's my job. And I felt the Lord speak to me. And this is just my personal journey that I was called to Mark. Um, I wasn't mm -hmm. called to ministry, I was called to Mark. So if Mark said, okay, we're moving to Cambodia tomorrow, I'd be okay. I wouldn't fall apart because I wasn't called to Australia. I was called to Mark. Or if he said, mm -hmm. I want you now to do kids ministry, I'd be like, okay, I I'm called to Mark. So if that's what he needs me to do, I will do. I I've been called to be his helper. And so when I had that revelation, it was like all this stress left me of having to have my own agenda of yeah. my own preaching ministry or my own this and that. And I noticed that as I've let go and there's been dreams in my heart and I said, okay, God, you know, I want to do this one day. Or I want to do that. God has opened it up. He's made it happen. He's made the door happen at the right time too, when I've been able to do it. And so um, just um, learning to, to yield and let God open the doors for me, not opening the doors myself has been um, liberating you know, and, and stress-free and learning to, to be Mark's support, uh, to be iron sharpens iron and learning to speak in a language that he understands, because I notice sometimes we're fighting and we're actually on the same page, but we're coming at it from different perspectives. So just saying, Holy Spirit, how can I say this in the right way that he will understand and, and do that? And Mark is an amazing husband. He, I mean, I'm so blessed. He, he leads so well and he's very strong. But God knows I needed a strong man because he said I would have chopped up anybody else. So I think God gave me the right one. But it's just learning to yield and learning uh, that both our gifts coming together um, and working in complements and, and then brings, you know, um, more of the kingdom to the people. Yeah, I think I think that really resonates with me because I think that it's so easy. I think what the enemy wants us to focus sometimes on our differences or on our, you know, I'm right, you know, he's yeah. wrong or she's wrong, whatever it is, yeah. you know, but there's something so powerful when we actually yeah. come together. There's something so powerful when when we embrace the calling, when we when we when we when we're willing to yield and submit yeah. and be under authority. Great advice. Um, um, Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change a little bit the direction of the conversation um, because I think a lot of people right now one of the biggest challenges is adjusting to these unexpected disruptions in life. And right now we have it's the year 2020, and you know the coronavirus pandemic has hit us. None of us were had this on our list of our agenda at the beginning of January of this year. Um, how has your leadership changed as a result of this virus? Okay, so I thought we were super flexible and worked fast, but I had no idea how much faster we had to work and how much more flexible we had to be to keep up uh, with with the time. So like when this whole season happened, I think in one night I moved five people out of one country and moved them to another country before the lockdown because I knew we needed them in another city. It was like it was a race against the clock. And then um, in one week, all our cities closed and we had to produce three services. And so we had to pull our entire um, staff together and say, everyone's roles are out and you all have new teams. We're putting you on these global teams. There are about four or five global teams to be able to um, 
keep the church running. I think I called our worship team. Uh, I gave them 12 hours notice in two countries and said, you have 12 hours to produce six sets of worship because we didn't wow. know with lockdown. Um, and they were amazing. They all pulled together. And that was our content for for eight weeks. We couldn't get out of the house, you know. And so that kept us going. So wow. we moved so fast. We changed our online platform on the same day it failed. Our, our first week failed miserably. So within an hour, Mark called all of us in and he's like, you got to change the platform. We got to change the way we're doing things. So we changed straight away. We didn't give time to analyze or think, or should we be doing this? We just moved. Another thing I did was I was worried about our media team in, in KL because a lot of them lived alone. And they had bad internet. And I knew that we would be relying on them to edit all our media. I moved them all to my apartment, which had the best internet. Um, we were, we broke into our <laughs> hub. I got one of the pastors to illegally break into the hub to get the computers because we didn't have, we didn't realize how long this would last. And they all lived there and it was a morale thing. And it was also a Wi-Fi thing and just keeping on top wow. of everybody. And so I'm um, just changing um, the way we did that. We turned one of our local hub, one of our churches here, into a global studio. We just stripped all our um, extension campuses of all their production. We stripped all their lights, their sound. We just pulled it in straight away uh, just to make it happen. And um, I think um, now we've just changed everything again because Perth now has been able to open up and gather, but the rest of the cities haven't. So now we're doing two things. We're gathering in one city, but still doing online wow. for all the others and, and making sure all the others are okay. So. It was uh, incredible. Um, yeah, it was, I, I, we moved so fast. I mean, I rang up Mark and said, you better get home because he was in Malaysia. And they were about to lock it down. And I thought, if you get locked down in Malaysia and I don't see you for six months, I'm going to die. So he had to jump on a plane real fast and get out of there. So, yeah, I think wow. definitely. Our, and the other one was every challenge and limitation has forced us to be creative and innovative um, so that momentum would stop. Uh, when Mark said he wanted to do something, we didn't want to say, no, we can't do that. We were like, okay, how are we going to do this? For instance, he he wrote a song in the season. And he goes, I want um, a, the song to be produced globally. I want all our best singers. Well, we couldn't fly our singers in or our band. So what we did was we uh, got our heads together and we created a global stage. And if you see one of our, our songs, we put you will notice Kale's on one side. You'll never notice though. It looks like they're all on one stage, but really they were two countries. We separated the stage. We made it all look like it was one. And uh, that's how we uh, fought the uh, problem that we couldn't fly him over. So we just uh, went to another level on, um, on how we could do things so that we could keep momentum in this season. Yeah, so these limitations, what they did is, the initial shock maybe, but eventually cre uh, caused you to be more uh, yeah. innovative, more creative. You know, yeah. I love the two words used faster and flexible. Like how do we get yeah. faster at accomplishing things and become more flexible in the process? Yes. This is so great. This is so great, Pastor Jim. Um, I wish we could stay here for another hour or two, uh, but it is a podcast. So I want to, I want to get to two more things that are no important. I think for everybody who's connected um, and one of them, could you just talk to us a little bit about uh, the beautiful journal initiative because um, I know this has to do with with just getting women, kind of promoting community and relationship between uh, women as well, which I think is something important. Um, yeah. talk, talk to us a little bit about that. It's so beautiful blog. It, it's it's just a bunch of um, categories in a blog, a blog where it was for women by women, and even got a teenage girl section in there too. So um, that our women can encourage one another, their stories, learn more about them. And uh, you, I think I've written a few blogs on there and there's videos you can see of me, recipes as well, lifestyle. I thought, why should Vogue be telling our girls what to do when we can do it from a godly perspective, um, exercise, makeup, all that sort of stuff, but also faith mm -hmm. stories as well to encourage um, all our women. So it's really for women by everyday women, normal women to encourage our girls. So good. So good. I think, I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of women are probably already benefiting from that. And, and, you know, if, if, if anybody's interested, they can look up beautiful blog, correct? Beautiful journal, beautiful journal, beautiful journal, um, with, with pastor Jemima Varghese, you know, um, 
this whole issue of staying connected is is important. Uh, we, you know, you touched on that on the importance of maintaining the church and and the and the church family connected. Um, I know that one of the things uh, in talking to you and 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 researching a little bit, one of the things you guys normally do at Kingdom City is you have an annual conference and uh as as most of us we do a lot of these things live and in person and in an event but due to the limitations i know that you guys are re reinventing how you're doing kind of how you mentioned a little while ago this conference can you talk to us about this amazing conference that's coming up in october yeah. um it's the kingdom city conference which for the first time ever i understand is going to be global because it's going to be online. Tell us a little bit about this conference. Yeah, we're excited about this. So we're going from two locations to thousands of locations um, and we're meeting in home. So we're really encouraging people to do conference at home. Uh, It's going to be October two to four and it's going to be from about five o'clock to nine o'clock, but it'll be on for, I think, 20 hours after. So every time zone can get it. We're doing conference boxes, you know, that you can get um, digital ones if you're in one of our cities uh, where, where we don't have a hub. So you can gather people in your home and uh, we've got all ideas and how to make it feel like a conference at your home. And uh, we've got great speakers. We've got the Beveers. We love the Beveers. Um, they're wow. great friends of ours. And we've got Chris Durso. And then we got um, Sammy Rodriguez. He's on our um, spiritual oversight. So uh, he's always good to have. And wow. uh, we've got Glenn Berto, Mike Maiden, Banning's coming on as well. One Nation, One Day, if you're familiar with them, Dominic's coming on to talk. And uh, Russell Evans from Planet Shakers and John Hanna. These are all great friends of ours. And we're just, they're coming to join us as well online. So, um, and it's free. It's free. Wow. So, That's what I was just about to yeah, ask. You don't have to free pay anything. Day. Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be a kid section there. We're going to do some fun stuff. So if you have kids, you can just put them in another room and get them watching something as well. And so we just want as many people as possible to come along and enjoy what Kingdom City um, gets to experience in the room. But now it's for everyone. So I'm really excited about this because I love technology and I love that uh, we can reach more people. It does time and distance will not stop us. <laughs> I love this. Everybody, you must go to kingdomcityconference.com. The registrations are going to be opening um, very soon. And it's very important that you understand that no matter where you are, it's free. So you can connect online. First time Kingdom City Conference is going online. Again, that's kingdomcityconference.com, October 2nd to the 4th. Uh, You might want to take a look at... uh, at time zones, because time yeah. zones might be a little bit different depending on where you are in the world. But we have uh, honest, honestly world-class speakers that are going to be speaking. And of course, Pastor Mark and Pastor Jim Varagis are going to be um, the host pastors of the Kingdom City Conference. I want to make sure everybody connects to that. Uh, man, this has been so good, Pastor Jim. I think, I think that, um, I think that Every single person, every single leader right now is, is encouraged by hearing, you know, here's another, another leader. Here's another pastor. Here's another woman that God has called. And it hasn't been easy. The path hasn't been easy. I'm sure we could do a whole nother podcast about walking through challenges and, and, you know, difficulties in the process. But, um, you know, but, but you, you move forward with the help of God, you move forward working together as a team, as a, as a marriage. Um, and then when you have that calling, you said it as, as the Lord entrusts us with more, we have to grow, you know, we have to grow along with it. And so uh, I guess I, I want to just ask you to share some closing thoughts, uh, keeping in mind that there's leaders of all, you know, ages, shapes, sizes, colors, all, there's all kinds of leaders connected right now. What's on your heart to close off? What do you want to leave everybody with in this podcast? I think one thing that God's been speaking to me about with coronavirus season and restrictions and shutdown is Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And really the world has had to be still. Travel stopped, you know, sports stopped, hobbies stopped, school stopped. We all had to be still. And when you are still, you uh, notice things that um, that you wouldn't notice when you're on the move. And for me, um, being still is not a bad thing because like the Lord showed me in this season, there were things I had to deal with. So, you know, in this season, being still, take a, uh, 
like look at your company, look at your church. What are you doing? Is there things in your leadership that can change? Because you're not on the move. You don't have to run from meeting to meeting. You can be still and say, God, speak to me. What do I need to change or or do? Or or um, are there mindsets that need to grow? Or do I need to, you know, read in this season? Whatever it is, I don't know. Every city's in different restrictions at the moment. But I've noticed that being still, knowing he's God and not being on the move has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Um, it hasn't been a bad thing. And also in this season, technology has accelerated like never before. There are more great content online than ever before. More church services online. More God's kingdom is online. That's not a bad thing. And people are looking for God. They don't know what's happening. They're scared. They're fearful. We were crying out for revival. God's like, okay, I'm going to set up the world for a revival. And then we complain. But this is a great time to get out there and to um we have saturated the the online platforms all the churches all all the kingdom the church has saturated how good is that and we've gotten to palaces and prisons where we never would have gone before so it is a great time so don't look at the negative look at the positive be still hear his voice and yeah it's going to be a great end to the year we just know it Wow, what, what a great perspective. Thank you so much, Pastor Jem, for taking, obviously, of your time uh, and your energy, but, but also just opening up your heart with all of us here on the Avail Leadership Podcast. I think that um, there's so much, there's so much that, that we can learn from your experience. We're so proud of Kingdom City. Uh, we're so proud of what you guys are doing globally. Uh, and I can't wait to connect to the Kingdom City Conference yeah. Uh, in October. So everybody, as we're, as we're wrapping this up, uh, kingdomcityconference.com. This is October 2nd to the 4th. World-class speakers that are going to be connecting for the first time. This conference is going global. And uh, and so, Pastor Jem, thank you. Uh, uh, you guys can connect with Pastor Jem if you look her up on Instagram and Facebook, Jemima V. Jemima V is a way to connect with her. Uh, also, look up the beautiful journal. Yeah. Look up Jemima uh, V and the Beautiful Journal is going to be a great place, especially for women to kind of connect and find a space where they can kind of learn and grow, reading some blogs, checking out some articles. Yeah. Um, so thankful for you, Pastor Jem and Pastor Mark. I, I pray that the Lord will continue to guide you guys and, and lead you as you pastor so many thousands of people in, you know, 10 different countries. Who knows, as that list might continue to increase. Uh, thank you for bringing your insights. Uh, it really has been a great blessing. It's been an honor for me to share this time wow. with you. And I, I look forward to doing it again in the future. And everybody who's connected to this podcast, want to let you know that at Avail, we are producing leadership content, quality, practical, relevant leadership content. And by the way, you can get the free, your free Avail journal. You can claim your free Avail journal at availjournal.com, availjournal.com. That's where you can claim your free uh, journal. Uh, and then you can check us out at availleadership.org. Again, my name is Virgil Sierra, Avail media host, and honored to share this time with everybody on our Avail Leadership Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. We truly hope you were able to grasp some great insights from that conversation with Pastor Jemima Varagis. Remember, at Avail Leadership, our aim is to produce new, practical, and relevant leadership content every month. And you can claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. Hey, everybody, we just want you to know that we're thinking of you and we're praying for you during this season. Thanks again for connecting with us here at the Avail Leadership Podcast. Yeah.